This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement 2016, coming to Chicago in July. Stick around for more information on how you can be part of Podcast Movement 2016. You're listening to the Podcast Movement Sessions. What's a podcast again? A podcast is... It'll never work. Podcasting is dead. Experience is totally overrated. No, it's not. It's essential. I mean, honestly, anything where you really are good at what you do, you're good at what you do because you've done it a lot. I mean, you may be natural. It may be something that you just have the perfect broadcaster's voice and you can get on there and just puke out delightful lines nonstop, but but you still don't have the experience and you're going to miss things. Like, I miss things pretty much every time I do this. Like, this is the 10th time I've had to do this take. It's irritating. But experience comes with having done it. You have to do it a lot. And frankly, with podcasting, there aren't that many people who have done it that much. I mean, compared to like radio, for example. And let's face it, if you're taking your car to the mechanic, you don't want the kid who's been only doing it two years. You want the crazy looking guy with the tattoos who's been doing it for 20. Well, the crazy looking guys with the tattoos who have been doing it for 20, they're in radio, they're in broadcast, they're not in podcasting. And so it's important for us, and as we have done a few times already on this podcast, to reach out to people who have done this a long time. Um, Whoops. Here's lesson number one. Clip the microphone correctly. Okay. So, um, been in the radio business a long time, and what I'm hoping to do today is give you some of the things that I think uh, are most applicable, tried and true things that we learned that you may find useful. That's Stephen Goldstein, the CEO of Amplify Media, a brand strategy company. He left a very high-level job as executive vice president with Saga Communications, a business that he actually helped to start in order to get into this uh, little area we like to call podcasting. All right, so I don't think I need to say exactly how long you've been in radio, but I can just say that you were broadcasting when I was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. Yeah, thank, I think th- that explains th- thank it. you for that, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not throwing out any, any ages here. Yeah, it makes good, it a little better. Good, 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 good. So is it true? Is radio dead? Did podcasting kill the radio star? Now you may say, well, it's a radio business and it's just a stupid business and it's dead. Uh, and it's been dead before. I mean, it was dead when movies came out, it was dead when television came out, and yet somehow the business has survived. It's a $15 billion a year business. It is being challenged, we'll talk about that. But uh, I I do think that there are some essence and things that you can apply to podcasting or any kind of show, radio, television. About me, yes, uh, background at uh, ABC Radio Network and local stations at ABC. Uh, NBC started a radio network with them a long time ago, and then most recently Saga Communications, where we started a company from next to nothing and built it up uh, to uh, a $300 million enterprise. So radio largely, not much going on in the business for a long time. Since then, you could listen in the car and we owned you. There wasn't much choice. And now that's, that's starting to change. And yet even today, 93% of Americans listen to the radio. Okay, that's more than people watch television, but it's being challenged. 
And here's the challenge. So podcasting, when it first started out, was kind of difficult, kind of clunky, and now becoming easier. Things like Android and uh, Apple CarPlay are going to make it even easier. And so that's where it got my attention. And this number is a shocking and yet impressive number. 32 million people listened to a podcast last week. Okay, That's big business all of a sudden. And that means that people are looking for alternatives and they're spending the time to seek it out. And it's all part of a much bigger tectonic change that's about choice and control. And we already see it happening on the TV side, Netflix and YouTube. Everybody wants to control what they want to watch and when they want to watch it. So same thing's happening on the audio side. It's a little sloppier, it's not quite as elegant, but certainly that's what's happening. And this big tectonic shift is time shifting that people are going to choose when and where. How many of you are familiar with a company called Odeo? Yeah, only one, and I know why you know. Uh, <laughs> so, podcasting been around for a while. This company was in it in 2004. They thought they were pretty smart. They were, they were building the whole thing up, and then Apple came out and introduced their iTunes platform, podcasting platform, and these guys said, we're out of business. But they had $5 million. What are we gonna do with the $5 million? We don't wanna give the $5 million back. Anybody have any other ideas? And one guy in the room, this guy Jack, said, I've had this idea in my head about short messaging, where you put little things out. <laughs> and so the Twitter guys were actually in the podcasting business. Wrong time, right idea. Pretty cool, actually. So radio is like the Rodney Dangerfield of media. I mean, it's been dead so many times. In, uh, in, in 1922, uh, Thomas Edison said, uh, the radio craze will die out in time, and yet here we are in 2015, and 93% of Americans still listen to radio. So that makes it the most ubiquitous of all media. In the radio business, we call radio a lean-back business. They curate the product by themselves. They do a great job. They'll pull together the newscast, the sports, the music, the countdown, the morning show, whatever, and you just listen to it. But podcasting has a different sort of deal. People actually have to want to subscribe to your podcast. That's a much higher bar, and that makes things a lot more difficult. So while it's on demand, it's also, I think, more confusing and more difficult for you to distinguish yourself and get to the point in which someone is going to subscribe. So you better be good. When you think of radio, they do a magnificent job of curation. If you want a sportscast, they're going to put it all together. You need a newscast, they're going to put it together. You want the top 10 songs, they can do that. They are really good at putting stuff together so that when you're sitting in the car, it's all done for you. And, uh, and, and that is one of the magical and simple truths of audio, or radio anyway, it's ubiquitous, and, uh, and, and, and it's all done for you. But in podcasting, you have to do something. You have to want to go get it. And so there's more friction involved with that. You have to download an app, then you have to go search the content, or maybe you read about the content somewhere, but you have to take that extra step of finding it, downloading it, and then the much harder part, although getting easier, but the much harder part, 
is finding a way to listen to it. And so does that connect up with your car? Is it on your Sonos system at home? Is it through a TV set? Is it through Bluetooth speakers? There's just so many more steps involved. So that becomes much more of a lean forward decision. Now, the content itself can still be leaned back because if someone's done a good job of creating the content, I can sit back and, and learn from them or listen to them or laugh with them, whatever it may be. But getting to that point is a very different experience. And the other significant difference, I think, between radio and podcasting, radio, you're always joining a show in progress just, just by nature of hopping in the car and turning on the radio. But in podcast, everybody has the same experience. They're beginning at the start of the podcast. That's, that's something we never had in radio. So it's a completely different way of thinking about things. It's a different architecture. You talked about curation, and there is something to be said for curation. What do you see as being the method for curation? Is it the podcast network? Is it particular curation services? Where do you see that going where people know that they can go for great quality new content? That, that I think, is brand-based. I think brands build equity with customers or consumers, and, uh, and, and we all learn that, uh, that ESPN is going to do a great job on something, so I will follow them. So I think that's a dependability that's earned over a period of time. Anything that Gimlet comes out with or, or uh, WNYC or, you know, the This American Life brand, anything they come out with, I'm going to listen to because I just have this belief, faith that it's going to be good quality. Right. They have proven to you that they are good at storytelling, at presentation. Uh, I, I agree. I may not choose to listen to one of their podcasts long term, but I'm much more inclined to try it because I trust the brand. In an important quest to find out how to differentiate ourselves, I mean, how can we really be different? How can we stand out from the crowd? Unfortunately, Stephen kind of abuses JCPenney. Hopefully there's no JCPenney executives listening to this podcast. And if they are, the opinions expressed here are those of Stephen Goldstein and not those of Podcast Movement or Podcast Movement Sessions. That's what a lot of department stores like JCPenney, they just have no distinguished est. And what is est? Est is the funniest, the smartest, the coolest, the hippest, the oldest. What's Donald Trump? Yeah. He's the craziest, right? Okay. Uh, what's Ellen? Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. The nicest, the funnest, yeah. You need an est. Without an est, you're stuck in J.C. Pennyland. We talk about this in broadcast all the time. In any given local marketplace, there are probably 50 to 75 radio signals. And I thought that was a lot. In podcasting, there's some 200, 300,000 podcasts. So it's, it's a lot more content out there. What are you going to do that's going to make you stand out? What is, what is it that you do that's better? What is your est? And I think about it a lot in terms of stores. When you think about high-end stores, Saks Fifth Avenue has an est. They're going after the high-end. Neiman Marcus going after the high-end. Walmart going after the low-end. They have an est. The guy who gets crushed is the guy in the middle. 
And that's why the J.C. Penney's and the Macy's are challenged because they really don't have an S. You don't think of them as great at anything in particular. And and so success has always come, whether it's in sports, business, from from people or organizations that have a distinctive S. So going back to the radio side, we, we, we would talk about who plays the oldest music, who plays the newest music, who is the newsiest. I mean, it, it may sound a little uh, goofy, but it, it is true in all product categories that great products have a unique position or an est. They're an extreme, left, right, up, down, whatever that may be. Come in close, lend me your ear, and I will share with you the secrets of the universe. I got the chance to introduce Phoebe Judge and Lauren Sporer of Criminal at last year's podcast movement, and I decided I was going to try to be funny. It didn't really come off too funny. I got to get in a few lines. I actually got, now this is probably my favorite part of podcast movement, was I got shouted down from Roman Mars. Roman was in the audience and he shouted me down while I was on the stage introducing Phoebe and Lauren. And if you want to know why, I'll tell you later. But anyway, I got to actually mention that Phoebe Judge once when she was a child actually got to be on Oprah's show and she danced on the stage with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I think that kind of took her off uh, off guard when I brought that up. But anyway, this is all just for me to talk about how much I like Phoebe Judge and Lauren Spore of Criminal. And oh, by the way, they're going to be a podcast movement 2016 again. So if you like the smash hit Criminal podcast, and if you don't like it, then it's because you haven't listened to it, weirdo. Listen to the Criminal podcast. It's really good. Anyway, they'll be there, Podcast Movement 2016. So get your tickets. Join us, Podcast Movement 2016 Chicago this July. Go to podcastmovement.com to get your tickets. Follow Podcast Movement by going to Twitter at at podcast movement join the facebook group and say hey howdy to me while you're there that would just be nice of you to do that um just little old me over here just uh you know doing this podcast here with my coat over my head recording this narration right now for this mid-roll ad for podcast movement sorry i just have to keep talking about myself it's a podcaster's thing you know podcastmovement.com Mark Marin, it was his 614th episode when he got the president of the United States in. So he was a lot more skilled, and I think that this is a critical thing. In the radio business, the most prolific content creators are radio people because they do three and four hour shows a day. Rush Limbaugh is on the air three hours a day creating content. When you think about a TV show, I mean, you know, a great TV show is 22 minutes once a week of comedy, say Seinfeld. So practice is a really killer part of this whole equation. Something that you talk about is that time behind the mic that broadcast radio afforded the, you know, the broadcast talent and how there's very few other types of media that have that much practice at what it is that they do. So with that in mind, what can your average hobbyist podcaster learn from someone who's a broadcast pro like yourself? Really good question. So I, I think... It is really difficult to get behind a, a microphone and be good. There are very few people that are naturally inclined. I mean, I used to work with uh, Howard Cosell, 
and Howard Cosell could walk into the booth and do a three minute and 30 second radio show on a daily basis. And all he would bring in is an index card with a couple of notes on it. He had an innate talent for being able to tell a story like no one else I've ever seen. Most people can't do that. And then the ones who can have really worked on their craft for years. I think about somebody like Rush Limbaugh, who is as strong a broadcaster as you will ever hear, whether you agree with his politics or not. He has perfected a craft. He's an entertainer. He knows how to engage you. He doesn't need phones and phone calls and guests. He can talk and tell a story. But that that didn't start that way. When he was in Sacramento, if you go back and listen to some audio from the early days, it was a lot choppier. You become better with time in the capsule. You become better in just about any field as you gain more experience. And in audio, I think it's really critical. So some of the most successful podcasters, uh, Adam Carolla, another good example, have come from broadcast where they have spent a lot of time honing the craft. So many of us feel like we've spent a lot of time behind the mic. I mean, maybe not the 10,000 hour rule, but a lot of time behind the mic. I'm not one of those people. I think I need to spend a lot more time behind the mic. But if you happen to be a podcaster who feels like you have put in your time, how do you get noticed? You're going to have to use multiple platforms to get your message out. The big networks always were able to cross promote. Okay. And they've gotten a lot better than both vertically and horizontally horizontally across the week, vertically up and down the day. Uh, so you'll see promos on ABC television for ESPN, and you'll see promos on ESPN for ABC TV. Much harder to do in podcast world, and I see a lot of shows where they are po putting other podcasters on. I think that may be good for generating a little social traction. I'm not sure it's great audio. I'm not sure it's a great podcast. I'm not sure it makes you that much more listenable, but it is a tactic and a strategy. I certainly understand it. And it's one of the tr tactics and strategies I think that uh, everyone needs to uh, employ in building up your platform over time. But I don't think it's the answer. I think you need a partner. And sometimes the partner may not be where you think it will be. So for example, let's say you were doing a show on travel. Well, then you should be looking at travel websites, travel magazines. You should be looking at avenues that are a little less exploited, which are not so linear for you to get your word out. It'll never work. Podcasting is dead. Um, so <laughs> Steve changed his career and he really thinks this is futile. Um, so I, I, I think what you're going to see are bigger brands figuring out what their audio strategies are, what I just said to you, because most of the time that I'm spent, I'm spending, I'm working with, with big brands and big companies trying to figure out their strategy in audio. I think what you're really seeing is brands of all sorts learning that they need to be multi-platform. They used to be single channel. I mean, if you were a big brand, you could use television to, to build your brand and they can't rely on that exclusively anymore. So you're seeing them develop websites and you're seeing them develop video strategies on YouTube and audio strategies. So they are experimenting in a significant way trying to figure out how to make that really good content that they create every single day more ubiquitous and available in other platforms. 
Because if you don't have time to read, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be involved with Time Magazine. Authenticity has become more important today in a sea of products. Um, I think about people like Amy Schumer, who's just breaking through because she just feels more authentic and she's able to say things in a different way and, you know, fake the sex or whatever it is and wink at you through the camera. I mean, it's really fun and interesting and different. And that's all part of authenticity. And I think that really comes down to storytelling. Uh, what's your story and how is it that you want to tell it? And, and I think about restaurants like Farm to Table. That's their story. They're trying to say to you, hey, we're not taking this stuff out of the freezer. We're spending the time curating something different for you. It's something a little bit more authentic. A lot of big shows use this as a theme. WIIFM. What's in it for me? Call letters are the biggest radio station in the country, I think. Um, if we can't perceive a benefit, if we don't know what it is that you want us to be thinking about as you put your show together, it probably won't resonate with us very well at all. Okay, so we get authenticity, at least we think we do. I mean, everybody, it seems like, at Podcast Movement spoke about authenticity. But that's kind of an ambiguous idea. A much more clear idea is how long should a podcast be? For me, I think shorter is always better. It is short attention span theater. And, uh, and, and I think podcasters, by and large, do not understand that. Or it's kind of like we understand it maybe theoretically, but then we are just so enamored by what it is that we spent all this time creating that chopping it up feels like killing your baby too too much. Well, but then look at uh, TED Talks. TED Talk is 20 minutes. The average, by the way, commute in the United States is 25 minutes. The audio boom data that I saw, the attrition is almost two-thirds by the 30-minute mark. There's just so much evidence that it's hard to hold people. And that doesn't mean you can't. Wait, wait, don't tell me. It goes 57 minutes and they do a magnificent job. But that doesn't mean every show should be 57 minutes long. NPR put out some statistics, which I thought were really interesting from NPR One, their app. And a couple of months ago, they said people make their decision in 30 seconds. And just the other day, they released some statistics that said it's 22 seconds. That's what you have. So that's 18 words, guys. You have about 18 words to engage people before they move on. And I hear this on a ton of podcasts. Hey, wow, that's a new microphone you got. Really? That's really fascinating. How about the weather? Whoa, it's really been hot here the past couple of days. Those are not things that bring me in. Stories bring me in. Angles bring me in. We all know this. So what does 30 seconds sound like when you don't care? Well, let's take a listen. Blah, 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 
I'm going to avoid grand summation at the end of this podcast. I just feel the need to not waste your time after hearing all that about not wasting your time. So anyway, if you want to find out more about Stephen Goldstein and Amplify Media, go to AmplifyMedia.com. That's A-M-P-L-I-F-I, AmplifyMedia.com. If you want to learn about brand strategies for podcasting. I want to thank Stephen for taking the time to do this. It was very generous of him to do that. And also thank you to Dan Franks and Jared Easley, the organizers of Podcast Movement, as well as the whole rest of the Podcast Movement team. Thank you so much for all the support that you give me in this podcast. We're actually coming to the end of the first season of Podcast Movement Sessions. We have one more episode coming up that'll probably come in a couple weeks, but I want to thank all of you who have hung in there and listened, given us ratings and reviews. It means a lot. This is something that I did, even though I was probably not quite experienced enough to do it. I gave it a shot, and I thank you for lending me your ear through this first season of Podcast Movement Sessions. And to not waste any more of your time, I will bid you adieu. Adieu.